The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for episode 50 of The Murder of My Family. If you find and enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast so that the show can continue to grow and reach new listeners. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurderofmyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at murderofmyfam or by searching for The Murder of My Family podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support this show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder of my family. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include thank you cards, stickers, and more. If you prefer to, you can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder of my family. In each episode I'll give shout outs to any new supporters. And thank you to all the supporters that generously donate to help keep the show growing and improving. One final note. Please consider supporting any of the sponsors that you hear on the murder of my family, the way that those sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsor support that this show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you, and now on with the show. Melanie Melanie was 45 years old and resided in an apartment at Chesapeake Glen Apartment Homes in Glen Burnie, Maryland, a suburb of Baltimore. Melanie has three grown children, Elizabeth, Ryan, and Beth, three grandchildren, and several siblings. Melanie was extremely hardworking and always made sure her kids never lacked for anything. As many people do, Melanie had many struggles in her life, including problems with alcohol. But she battled her demons, and by October 2018, she had quit drinking. Melanie's family described her as an incredible person who was loved by everyone who had the pleasure of knowing her. She was very close to her kids and really excited about the upcoming birth of her third grandchild. Her son Ryan's girlfriend was pregnant at the time. Melanie couldn't contain her excitement, and went out and bought several items for the new baby. But sadly, Melanie would never see her third grandchild born. Melanie's friend Amy last saw Melanie on October 11, 2018. When Melanie didn't show up for work on October 12th, her family knew something was wrong. On October 13th, Melanie's family reported her missing after several attempted phone calls and knocks on her door that went unanswered. When police and family arrived at Melanie's apartment, they found Melanie's car parked in front. Most of Melanie's personal belongings were inside the apartment, but her cell phone, ID, debit card, and keys were missing. 
Ten days after Melanie was reported missing, a dog walker found partial human remains on the shoreline of Marley Creek in the 1400 block of Furnace Avenue, near the Church of the Good Shepherd. The remains were later identified as a single human leg. Search and rescue teams and cadaver dogs searched the land around Marley Creek for more remains, but nothing turned up. Divers from the fire department subsequently searched Marley Creek, but didn't find anything either. In January 2019, DNA test results confirmed that the partial remains belonged to Melanie. It was also revealed that the leg had been removed and not come off naturally during decomposition. Police were now investigating a suspicious death, but stopped short of calling it a homicide. The Anne Arundel County Medical Examiner and homicide detectives worked together to try to determine Melanie's cause of death and the nature of her injuries. But what happened to Melanie, who removed her leg and why, all remain a mystery. Her family has no idea how she got from her apartment to Marley Creek, a distance of almost seven miles. As mentioned earlier, her car was still parked in front of her apartment. Additionally, Melanie suffered from a bulging disc in her back and would have never walked anywhere, especially in cold weather. Following the discovery of the remains, police conducted interviews and executed several search warrants, but it's unclear what information police were able to uncover. In November 2019, police announced a $13,000 reward for information in Melanie's case. Police offered $10,000 of it. Her family pitched in $1,000 and Crime Stoppers added 2000 to the fund. So far, no one has come forward with information. Even though Melanie's partial remains were found, her case is still listed as a missing person case, and hasn't been officially ruled a homicide case by police. This leaves Melanie's case in limbo, and her family struggling to find answers. But it's difficult to believe that Melanie would have removed her own leg, and unlikely that she would have survived doing so. That leads many to the unescapable conclusion that Melanie was murdered, and possibly dismembered. But if that's the case, who murdered her, and why, and will the rest of Melanie's remains ever be found? Anne Arundel County has a total population of over 500,000 people. In 2018, the county recorded 23 homicides, 22 of them involving gun violence. One was an FBI agent who stabbed his estranged wife to death and then shot himself. While that area might not be the safest one, and there may be dangerous people living there, there's no evidence that any one of them was linked to Melanie's disappearance. And in fact, it's possible that the person who is responsible for Melanie vanishing might be someone that's close to her. It's been over a year since the 45-year-old mother and grandmother went missing, and her family is still as perplexed as they were back then, and they continue trying to find out the truth about what happened to her. They believe she's dead, and they want to know why and who's responsible. The family set up a Facebook page called Help Find Melanie's Killer. And if anyone out there has information about Melanie's case, please reach out to authorities. You might be able to help Melanie's family find peace. Anyone with information is encouraged to call police at 410-222-4731. You can also call an anonymous tip line at 410 222 Four seven zero zero, and lastly, you can call Metro Crime Stoppers at one eight six six seven lockup. 
Melanie's daughter Beth joined me to discuss Melanie's case and her family's struggle to find answers. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Hi, Beth, and thanks for coming on to discuss your mom's case with us. Hi, how are you doing? It's just been over a year since your mom went missing, and then her remains were found later on, or par- partial remains were found later on. How difficult has this time been for you and your family? Um, it's been extremely difficult. Um, we're We're just trying to get this message out there and just, Try and get it widespread so maybe we can get uh, more attention to our GoFundMe and stuff like that. Get our you know story out there so people will know what's what's going on. And how, how many uh, brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I have one brother. Um, his name is Ryan. Okay, so you, you both are obviously missing your mom and, and trying to figure out what happened to her. Right, yeah. He's um, one of the first ones who figured out that she actually was missing. And and, and we'll definitely get into that, and, I, and I'd like to talk about that. Uh, but I, I guess just to give us an idea, a sense of who your mom was, can you tell us a, bit, a little bit about what kind of person she was? Um, well, she was um, an extremely like hard-working person. Um, she had a couple, you know, struggles like every other person, but she always made ends meet for me and my brother. Sorry. <laughs> um, she's just a very strong person, and um, she was loved by everybody. Anybody that came across her and was touched by her, she just, you know, lit up their world. And... um yeah, she's she's just an incredible person. Anybody that met her would tell you the same thing. And and do you have any like favorite memories of of growing up about her? Anything that you think of that uh makes you happy when you think of it? Yeah, she would um she she's my ride junkie whenever we would go to amusement parks. I I don't have uh my brother and my dad aren't really big on roller coasters and she would get on anything with me and she uh, inspired me to get on anything, wasn't, you know, told me not to be afraid of anything. And it was, you know, one of our favorite things to do together. We'd go places. Uh, we went to pretty much everywhere together, going all the amusement parks all over the uh, states and stuff like that. And it would just, that that's probably one of my biggest highlights. So you think she had a little bit of an adventurous side? Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's definitely, yeah, that's true. And so when when you we think of this crime, whatever happened to her, was there anyone in her life that might have wanted to hurt her or anybody that she had problems with? Mm, I, I don't think there's anybody she had problems with, but we do, you know, have a couple people in mind that, you know, might have had something to do with it. But at at the time that she went missing, she didn't share anything like, hey, 
I've had a, a problem with this person or I'm afraid of this person for that this reason or another? Well, not, not to me. Um, in previous months before, she had mentioned something about somebody and um, it wasn't really told to many people until she ended up going missing and finding out later on. Is there anything in, in your mom's background or that was going on in her life that might have been connected to her disappearance? Not necessarily. She was actually getting her life back on track when she started, when she went missing. She, um, she had a, a alcohol problem a little bit and, you know, stuff like that. But she started to, she, she, I mean, when I last saw her, she didn't drink anymore. She didn't, do anything like that, and uh, she was excited that my brother's girlfriend was about to have a baby, and she was living for that baby, and she wasn't even born yet, and she, you know, she thrived for her. She went out and got her everything, and her favorite color was purple, so she'd always buy her purple little outfits and stuff like that, so she honestly was in a really good headspace, the best headspace I've ever seen her in. So it sounded like she was really motivated and excited about being a, a grandma. Yeah, yeah. Grandta- grandma three times over. <laughs> yeah. And, and take us back to October 2018 when your mom vanished. You mentioned your, your brother was one of the first people that knew something was wrong. How did that day unfold for you and your family, and how did you figure out something was going on? So it was... Um... October 13th is when we reported her missing, but we started to know something was going on like uh, two days before. The last time anybody saw her was my, uh, was October 11th, and it was my Aunt Amy, and they had went out and chatted and gone and gotten their nails done. And then the next morning, her only response over a text message was an emoji, and then she didn't uh, show up for work that day on October 12th. And then October 13th is when my brother knew something was wrong because he, uh, my Aunt Amy said something to him and she uh, wouldn't respond to his text messages or calls and no one would answer the door either to her apartment. Could you tell that she was in her apartment? Uh, was her car there or was there any other sign that she was there? Well, her car was out front, but she was living with her boyfriend at the time. So we were kind of hoping that somebody would be there, but we didn't get any response at the door. And did you finally, uh, were you able to finally get into the apartment and see what was going on, see if she was in there? Yeah, because the police showed up um, because we filed a missing persons report and um, there was no signs of her um, anywhere to be found. It was just all of her belongings there except for um, her house keys, her, I think it was her debit card, and her ID. So, uh, if you can, how is the uh, the layout of the series? Was this a place that was in walking distance where she could have walked someplace, or was it uh, pretty far where she would usually drive if she had to go someplace? Well, she the apartment she lived in was right off of a highway, which has a bunch of uh, like fast food places and gas stations and stuff like that. But um, I mean, it's not really much to walk to. Like, there's not there's no many places to walk 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's right on a highway. So there's no reason for her to be walking on the highway. She wasn't really a walking person anyway. She she had pain issues. She had bulging discs in her back and neck, and she couldn't do all that kind of stuff anymore. So it was definitely, in, in your opinion, she would have driven someplace if she had to go out for something. Oh, yeah, for sure. And because she's definitely not a um, cold-weather person either, so she wouldn't be walking around in cold weather. It's definitely not her move. And you mentioned getting the police involved. How how quickly did they respond once you said, hey, my mom's missing? Did they give you any kind of runaround about her having to be gone for a certain period of time, or did they take it pretty seriously uh, early on? Um. I really don't think they took it seriously um, in the beginning at all. And um, they they responded quickly, but they just didn't really do anything about it. Do you think, did they give you the impression that maybe she had gone missing on purpose on her own? Yeah, I um, I was talking to one of the officers and he told me that um, if she had a drug history before, that she's probably just on a drug binge. And that was, like, really hurtful. <laughs> so they sort of just dismissed it as, hey, she had some problems before. She must just be doing the same thing, and there's nothing to be worried about. Yeah, that was, like, their first uh, opinion on it. And did you immediately think they were wrong? Did you doubt that, that she had done something like that? Yeah, we all knew that they were wrong. Had she gone missing at, at any time before for any stretch of period, time period? No. Now, early on, obviously, the, you got the police involved. Did you and your family and friends go around the neighborhood looking or organize any kind of searches or anything like that? Yeah, when um, on October 13th, everybody just kind of went everywhere that she had been the last kind of couple weeks, um, her job, the nail place that my Aunt Amy took her to on the 11th, um, just surrounding areas and uh, started putting putting flyers up and, and have you seen me kind of flyers. And then we started to do a search party behind the apartments that she um, lived in to see if maybe we could find something. Or And, and it's also wooded, so we didn't know if maybe there would be an article of clothing or something like that. So we searched there too. During the searches, did you find anything? No, we didn't find anything. Now, were there any reports of anybody seeing her or anybody that came forward to say they, they thought they had seen her or anything like that? No. So essentially you're doing the search. You don't find anything. The police are uh, involved, but they didn't maybe take it serious early on. Did you feel like uh, like there wasn't much hope at that point? Yeah, like it really felt hopeless because I, I just felt like nobody was going to help us and nobody took it seriously. And it's just another woman from Glen Burnie. Like it doesn't matter, but it does matter. And now you mentioned another woman from Glen Burnie. Were there any other women that had gone missing or anything like that around there? Well, I'm not sure about any other women, but it isn't really the best area, uh, just where she was living. But like I said, she doesn't really have many people like that are out against her. 
So I don't think it had anything to do with the area. It's just not the best circumstances. How hard was it waiting around just, you know, hoping for answers and hoping she would turn up or somebody would find something? Well, it it took up my job. (laughs) I had to quit my job because I was worried about trying to find her. And I had to go to counseling and... My my brother is really going through it right now. Like I'm, he's very suicidal right now, and I just it's it's a very hard time still now. It's just a little bit of healing on top. But everybody is literally losing their minds right now because it it just it's been so long. It's been a whole year, and um, we feel like we should just know something or be getting somewhere. So it really hasn't gotten any easier for you, it sounds like. Right. Well, and not long after your mom went missing, there were some human remains found in in a creek. They were eventually identified as being your mom's. How did your family find out that those remains were found, and what did police tell you? Well, I I found out because I heard it on the news one day, and... um. You know, everybody else heard it on the news, so we all started talking to each other, and we we really uh, thought that it had something to do with her because they came and got um, DNA from my grandmother, um, Bridget, and uh, then a couple months later when they told us that it was her, it was just, uh, I mean, it was something, but it wasn't anything to work with, really. So you, you know at this point, after months of waiting that this is your mom and that I assume that took whatever hope you had that she was alive. Did you feel at that point that she definitely wasn't? Yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, I don't think any of us really thought that she could have been out there all winter and surviving. And like, we had no idea what had happened, but we don't really think that, you know, she was alive the whole couple months that we were waiting to figure out if it was her leg or not so you you sort of had given up hope already that you were going to find her okay right now that I, I think early on they didn't release that it was one of her legs that was found um but then eventually they did say that it was um and it just to be clear her leg had been amputated had been removed um it didn't come off through just being in the woods or being in the water or anything like that correct um it was amputated yeah so you know at that point that somebody did this to her and then that's what in your mind told you that somebody harmed her right right and and what did police say did they start looking at it as a homicide at that point i um i I assume that without knowing the cause of death that they have to sort of hold back and see what else they find. But did they sort of investigate it at least as if it was a homicide? Well, they, um, they did, they called it, um, a missing, they're still calling it a missing person's case as an upgrade to a homicide case. Um, but they did say it was a suspicious death, but, uh, until she's found the medical examiner can't give a cause of death. So, so, at the very least, you know that somebody removed her leg. 
Exactly. But they still aren't classifying it as a homicide, which just makes me scratch my head a little bit because... Yeah, us too. A lot of times in these kind of cases, police look at, obviously, family, people closest to the victims and and sort of question them, and then they move out from there looking for other people. Did the, the police sort of try and weed through people that knew your mom to see if anybody might have been involved in, in harming her? Uh, no. Not really. Not at all. Wow. So, But you have people in mind yourselves that you think uh, may have been involved. Is that correct? Yeah. Without, yep. without saying their names, can you tell us a little bit about them and why you think they uh, may have had something to do with it? Um, well, somebody who's close to her, um, was very physically abusive leading up to, um, when she went missing and, um, it was just a very shady person. Whenever I met him, he just gave me very off vibes and it wasn't somebody that you could, you know, pick up a conversation with or start a conversation with. It was very monotone and bland and and vague and all that stuff. He was giving off very weird vibes. And, um, yeah, he hasn't done anything to help us ever since uh, she went missing. He's definitely gone off the grid and refused to help us, blocked some of my family members on social media. Um, It's definitely creepy. And you mentioned this was someone close to her. And they, they, as far as you know, haven't been talked to by police. Um. A little bit. They have. A, they have a little bit. Was there anybody else that you came up with that you thought might have been involved? Mm, not. No. Not really. So, so this person in, in in your mind is somebody that definitely should be considered. Yeah. Yeah. That's just pretty much what everybody thinks. Have there been any more searches for for your mom's remains after that? Did they go looking in different areas trying to find? This, more of her remains um yeah so they ended up doing a search when they when they found the leg they did a a little tiny search in the beginning and then they did a bigger search kind of in march and um it had the fbi the dive squad and everybody went and marched their miles and stuff like that and um they went and searched everything, and I don't. I don't really think they found anything, though. And how big an area is this? This body of water where her where her leg was found is it like a creek or a river? Or what what kind of or lake? Yeah, it was it was creek. And do you know if it's uh, deep or wide there? Yeah, yeah, it it runs in from the Chesapeake. How many times did they do searching there? Was it just uh, the one time, or did they try and do it? Um, through different seasons, like different uh, conditions? Um, I think they've only done it a total of uh, three times. And they've never found anything else related to your mom, any of her other remains or any of her belongings or anything? No. You know, I talk to people that have lost a loved one, they've been murdered, but they have their remains to give them uh, a proper burial. I've talked to other people that who's, family went missing they've never found anything of them and you're sort of in between um how how difficult is that to sort of handle that to know hey 
I'm, I'm looking for my mom, at least her remains, her full remains, so we can give her a, a proper burial. Is that very tough to go through? Um, well, yeah, it's, it's hard because you, at first you don't have anything at all to look at. And then you have, like, you, you just have one little thing to look at and you, and you can't just, like, you don't have like an actual body to, uh, you know, have a memorial for. I don't have anything we can put down for anything like that. It's, it's. It, it almost feels like you're getting somewhere, but you're not at the same time. So you're you're waiting for some kind of answer, some kind of more clues, maybe to come forward to, to to show what happened or to see who was responsible for for it. Right. And were you have you done any kind of memorial for your mom? Have you been able to give her any kind of uh, service at all? Um. Well, we didn't have anything particularly for her, but the state did a, um, for, it was like a large group for a criminal uh, victims of the families and stuff like that for everybody to come together and kind of just have, um, like a memorial for everybody kind of thing. But it wasn't specifically for her. It was just for us to get a little more peace and feel a little better about ourselves. What's been the, the toughest part of this whole ordeal for you? Um, well, I'm a little bit younger than my brother, so it's kind of hard. Just my life is finally starting to get together, and I don't have her to tell me like that. You know, I'm doing a good job. That she's proud of me and she loves me, and that I'm doing the right thing. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm doing the right thing, and I, I don't live with my dad anymore, and um, so I don't have a parent to really tell me that, you know, they're there for me. So you're missing that that bond, that encouragement that she would give you if she was if she was here. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your brother's really having some tough times dealing with it as well. Have either of you um, had to do counseling? I know you mentioned that that you went through counseling. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We um, we got a response from the crisis counseling team, and um, they got us a little spot where we could go to counseling and get everything we needed. And my brother's taken a couple of classes, and um, it's 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 helped a lot. It it really has. Is is something that has to be ongoing, though? You have to continue going to 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 try and work through everything you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. I um, I had a really uh, it was it was a very nice time just having somebody to be able to talk to, and um, she was always there for me every time I came. Nothing's going to bring your mom back, obviously, but has that helped you sort of take some of this load off your shoulders? Yeah, she she lets me know that you know everything that I'm going through is um, it, like it makes sense. Like I'm not going crazy. <laughs> like um, like it it's reasonable. Like the way I react and the way I respond to things and my my tolerance for like irritability and you know things like that. Um, she just lets me know that you know I'm okay. Yeah, and it. 
it, it's one thing when when somebody is taken away the way your mom, but it also affects so many other people in their lives and it sort of has a ripple effect. And it sounds like you're really going through a lot of that stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing you you and your family and friends of your moms have been very proactive, and you want to keep the case out there and keep the word out there that it's still uh, unsolved. What's some of the stuff that you've done to try and, and keep that awareness out there? Um, well, we actually started a GoFundMe to um, help find my mom's killer. And um, it's it's just to give them the information. Maybe somebody knows something or saw something. And, um, you know, just to help us get a little money so maybe we can... Um, finally get this done and over with and um we we keep hanging posters everywhere like that's like non-stop and we um when we went to the vigil we went um i'm sorry not the vigil when we went to the memorial for the state we um we made t-shirts um with her name and everything like that oh yeah i was just this is willa i was just trying to uh bring up the, um, that we have, we've been putting posters out all over the place. Um, we have a GoFundMe. We're trying to raise a reward so that Crime Stoppers will also match it. And then maybe the Anne Arundel County Police are going to add some into it. We're just kind of hoping and bring more awareness, bring the, um, media into it so we can have it, uh, you know, everybody be aware of it again, bring it to the public's eye again. Maybe somebody saw something somewhere, you know. So we've just been advertising, basically. Uh, so one of the things that you've done is started a Facebook page. Uh, can you tell us about that page and, and what it's called? Yeah, it's called Help uh, Help Find Melanie's Killer. It's just a place where everybody can go to see what's going on with the case and spread the word and share all our information just to get it across. So your hope with all this is that this attention focuses and and generates leads and tips and people to keep talking about the case and and hopefully it leads to some resolution right because obviously they don't have what they need to put somebody behind bars so we're trying to fill the fill the gap or find the missing puzzle pieces or whatever you want to call it um and we're hoping somebody will feel guilty that they know what happened and they want to just get it off their chest or maybe for the money. I don't know. I just hope that somebody helps us out or maybe even the person will feel bad and tell on themselves. But I mean, that's probably not going to happen, but it's, it's wishful thinking. Yeah. One thing I wanted to find out, Beth, is if you found out tomorrow uh, what happened to your mom and who was responsible Again, it's not going to take, bring your mom back. Would that help you heal at all, though, do you think? Uh, yeah, a thousand percent. I think it would help everybody heal. And um, my my brother's got a son named Carter, and he's, like, he's only eight years old, and he's really missing his grandma right now. And it's really, it would bring me so much joy, not only knowing that, I know something or that he's caught or somebody's caught or whatever, but I'm sure it would make me feel a million times better knowing that Carter doesn't have to worry about that anymore. And he doesn't have to be afraid of anything anymore and he can be okay. And if anyone out there 
listening to this now has any information about your mom, who can they contact to share that with? Uh, they can contact the Crime Stoppers. Um, it's the Anne Arundel County uh, tip line. It's uh, the number is four one zero two 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 four seven zero zero, or it's um, MetroCrimeStoppers.org. We'll definitely put those in the notes so people can find that easily, and, and hopefully if someone knows something, they'll they'll come forward and do the right thing. And we'll also be sure to, to link to the Facebook page for you as well. And we also have the GoFundMe link if you want that as well. Yep, we, we can definitely get that in there too. So, uh, well, I, I know this is tough. It's 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 not been that long, and um, I don't know if it'll ever be long enough that it, that you somehow can heal it, but you know, I know it's been what a year and that's not much time at all dealing with this. And I hope that you and your brother and everybody else in your family get the answers that you've been waiting for, for all this time. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of the murder of my family. I'd like to thank Debbie Buck at truecrimediva.com for writing and research assistance in this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, Please introduce a friend of the podcast and invite them to listen. As we wrap up, I'd like to invite you to listen to a preview of a true crime podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. It's called Fresh Hell. Be sure to give it a listen. And before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody. Hi, we're the hosts of the Fresh Hell podcast. I'm Annie in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm Johanna in Vienna, Austria. Join us every Wednesday for a new terrible story. I focus mostly on cases in the United States, and not just true crime, like the terrifying axe murders on Smutty Nose Island, but also shocking stories like the New Jersey shark attacks of 1916. And I love to tell you about more obscure European cases. And let me tell you, Germany has produced more cannibals than one would think. So if you're a fan of true crime, but you also enjoy terrible stories of all sorts, give us a listen. We'll tell you everything you need to know, and then some. Come find Fresh Hell Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Auf Wiedersehen. Hope to see you soon.